that relationships will go through And I gave it all away Just so I could say that to you I know, I know, I know, I know That you're gonna be okay Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages You're listening to Just Another White Guys Podcast And I'm Dustin Jones Thank you for joining us once again here at the Jog Pod. So happy that you've taken the time to jump over and give us a listen. Wherever you may be online around the world, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And I hope that we can continue to bring you a lot of entertainment. First of all, I want to apologize for this getting up a little bit late this week. Um, Had just a terrible, terrible headache uh, Sunday night. Was not able to uh, concentrate and get this edited and produced Uh, as I had hoped, so I apologize for this being up late, and uh, I promise you it will be worth the wait as we jump back into the conversation with my dad, Brian Jones, while he was in town uh, for Father's Day weekend, got him to sit in front of the microphone, got a couple of more hours coming up with him, we are going to get into about 45 minutes to an hour of the conversation that's left, Um, jump back in where we were, which is uh, a pretty difficult part of the conversation Um, Not easy to talk about when important people uh, in your life are taken away from you at such a young age. So we're going to get back into that here in just a moment. Before we did that, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Minnesota Wild Hockey News that just came out. I'm pretty excited about that. They have posted the uh, schedules uh, for the upcoming 2014-2015 hockey season. Already making my plans uh, to make some uh, road trips to see a couple games. Very excited to see the fact that uh, many of uh, the games that I wanted to see will be on uh, Saturdays, Uh, so I'll actually be able to go and maybe not even miss too many days of work. Right now, it looks like we are probably going to go to seven Minnesota Wild Road games this year, Uh, three in Dallas, two in St. Louis, and uh, maybe one in Nashville. We're kind of going to wait and see and figure out uh, how the timeline works out, but uh, the Dallas games we will definitely be at, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the Wild, of course, haven't really fared very well in that building. Um, they've won once in the last, I believe it's 17 games. I have the uh, fortune of having been at the one that they did win. Uh, Nikki, of course, is uh, bad juju for the boys. Seems like anytime she's in the arena, uh, they are not able to pull it off. So maybe I'm going to be going to games by myself this year. Maybe she'll need to stay home with Buster. Don't know how that's going to work out for me. But uh, we'll have to talk it over. Eventually, she's going to have to get off the shine and be there for uh, for one victory. So maybe if we go to enough of them, she'll be there to see the boys light the lamp, take home some road victories as they march toward the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs again in the 2014-15 season. It feels so weird to already be talking about the start of the next hockey season given uh, that the Stanley Cup was just awarded last weekend. But uh, excited that hockey will once again Uh, be on the air in just a few the taping of this i believe we're looking at 107 days till puck drop on the regular season so already starting to get excited for the boys to be back on the ice and a big week ahead for the minnesota wild as the nhl hockey draft uh, takes place this friday as they uh, look to improve uh, add some more young skilled players to the depths of the roster and uh, a look ahead to the july 1st free agent deadline Uh, chuck fletcher of course Uh, Not one to be shy on pulling the trigger of a draft day move. Um, So we'll have something to look forward to on that. Maybe some more wild news on the next episode of the Jog Pod. Right now, we are going to go ahead and jump back into the conversation with my dad, Brian Jones. As we talk a little more family history, uh, I hope that you enjoy it. The next 15 or 20 minutes um, are some pretty difficult stuff to listen to uh, emotionally. But uh, I felt it was uh, important that uh, we get this stuff on the record and and share it uh, with everybody as uh, it is a part of our history and it helps shine a light on the important things that shape us uh, as a family Uh, and my dad as a person. uh, I think he's had a really great story uh, and his ability to overcome a lot of things and and this kind of shines a light on that backstory. So wanted to get that out there and share it with you guys. Uh, Once again, sorry that this is up late, but I hope you enjoy it. Uh, this is uh, Just Another White Guys podcast. Please remember you can follow along with the program on Twitter at JogPod, J-A-W-G-P-O-D, or drop us an email at JogPod at gmail.com. Right now, more with my dad, Brian Jones. You kind of touched on how things affected grandma and grandpa. 
how how did things change for you specifically when Craig was killed? Not good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, my world ended. Um, because everything changed. Yeah. yeah. Mom. Yeah, I can remember coming home a lot of times, you know, from playing either, you know, something at school or I'd, you know, I was normal. I was a normal, I mean, a normal kid as I could be, you know. Well, as normal, um, but as, I mean, as, well, normal yeah. as us Joneses yeah, can right. be. You know, and coming home and, and, um, and having dad say, you know, go easy, mom's had a rough day. Right. You know? And then I'd look and I'd see on the footstool, you know, there'd be a book there or something. But, you know, my mom was, al- I mean, my mom had already, you know, had her share of trauma in her life. I mean, you talk about trauma, you know, there's historical trauma. I mean, my mom's dad was killed when she was a very young woman. I mean, Nick, Nick, my oldest brother, Nick, can barely remember his grandpa Paul and Mike was just a baby, you know, so. um, And then my mom lost one of her best friends. I mean, something happened. And then one of her other best friends, a male friend, was really messed up in the war. I mean, top of his head was taken off by a propeller and was kind of crazy after that. And so when they lived, you know, and then to have everything happen to them as a young couple in Washington and moved to Oregon with just what they could put in in a station wagon in a trailer. I think they had a trailer. Yeah. I'm not sure. And moved to Oregon and start all over with three little boys. Um, you know, my mom kind of had a nervous breakdown and then living on the Oregon coast back, back in them days before whatever you believe in global warming or whatever, the Oregon coast used to be a pretty dark and drun dungy foggy place. Yeah. Um, um, so I think that's kind of how they ended up in, in Dallas. So and I think that's kind of how, well, let's have another baby and see if things will get better. Yeah. So, but the historical trauma of have having all these deaths, you know, I mean, her dad and and everything, and then and then to have Craig killed, and to have Craig killed. I mean, yeah, they were drunk. Bottom line, drunk. You know, young man who was driving that cars had to live with that the rest of his life. You know, yeah, drunk driver. And then, um, you know, I can remember there was a court court case. You know, finally, mom and dad dropped it. You know, just because of the um, so that led to let's just get the heck out of here and they moved uh i mean it was still going on i think when they moved to idana or to detroit idana so but do you it, think there was there was like some friction in the town too of like there um you know no the town people didn't really know about it i mean i think maybe some of them did it was over insurance i mean back right. then you could be self-insured and that's what it all ended up being um mom and dad never wanted um the young man to go to jail um but I mean, Craig was pretty popular, so yeah. you know there was constantly kids coming over. There was, you know, the boys that lived behind the house. I mean, devastated. I mean, yeah, one of the Craig's best friends' name was Craig, and Mark was Craig's age. Um, it really affected the community. Earlier in the summer, there was another young man, which was one of Craig's best friends, was killed in a fluke motorcycle accident right behind the house, kind of from where we live. Um. So yeah, you know. Was there was there a point in time where you do you remember did it start to get better, or was it it just was Which part? Well, I mean, for you, I mean, I that was kind. Of, did Grandma kind of check out at that point, and oh. that just that was? Yeah, I mean, we had good days, we had bad days. I mean, we had. I mean, there was just things we didn't talk about. I mean, we didn't talk about like this. I mean, we didn't talk about grief. We didn't talk about. I mean, Mom had a bad day. I mean, I can remember. Like I said, going to Salem was a big deal. Well, we would go to Salem, do stuff, you know, whether it be go to, you know, whatever store it was we needed to go to, but then we'd drive over to towards Dallas to the cemetery, go visit Craig's grave, and eat dinner and come home. I mean, that was that was the norm, you know. And then on holidays, all the holidays would go to the cemetery, which now, you know, I mean, fast forwarding to where I'm at now, you know, all these things have been uh, been teachings for my journey that, you know, that I'm on. But, I yeah. mean, it, it's, you know, those I didn't know it then that, you know. Well, because, I mean, if – and if for anyone that's listening that doesn't know this, 
grandma's theme of loss is something that extends to you. I mean, the the line of losses continues oh, yeah. into, you know, grandma died. I I I can't remember this. She had an internal infection, right? She, had she did. Like, she did. Well, she died of spinal meningitis, but right. yeah, she had had um, some surgery years before, or a few years before, and it never really was right, and she was pretty much full of infection. And anytime you have a type of an infection like that, you get fever. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, I look at that too. I mean, she was fifty-eight. You know, I'm going to be fifty-seven this year. You know, so I'm almost the age that you know, mom was. You know, and that's like, whoa, right? Whoa. You guys, you moved to Idana, and and you lived there. What was the reason for moving back to Mill City? <laughs> get me, mom says, get me the hell out of here. Okay. Yeah, she had had enough. I mean, like I said, with the moving up there, um, um, didn't fix anything. Um, let's see, we had eight feet of snow, you couldn't see out, um, you didn't go anywhere. Um, I mean, I can remember dad having to come over with heavy equipment to dig out the driveway um, and to create other things. Um, finally got our car out of the driveway over to the mill and it then again got snowed in. Oh, jeez. Um, so, I mean, it was, yeah. Um, and, you know, we only missed a couple of days of school out of all that, too. I can, can, it's kind of weird now. They get a dusting, and it's, oh, we got to shut her down. <laughs> but, I mean, there again, you know, we had to have the equipment. We could do, you know, whatever needed to get done. Right. Um, and, but, and, then, and then, of course, with all the snow comes the floods. So, Mom, I can remember... Um, the the washing, the laundry room was downstairs, and um, mom opened up the the door and threw something down, probably bedding or something, down to the steps and heard a big splash and turned on the light and there was four 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 feet of water in the basement. So and that was in the spring. So, did yeah. this just? I was just wondering what she might have yelled. Did did grandma call grandpa Perry or Casey? Casey. Yeah. Unless, unless she was really mad. She, yeah. So was it Perry? Get me the heck out of here. Yep. Yeah. It was probably no. I don't even think there was any name involved. It was okay. Get me the hell. Yeah. That's we're not. And um. So yeah, it was. I've had enough. This this was good. We're and so they had a house built there in Mill City. And uh, or it was being. It was. It was being. It was in the process of being built. Um. And they met with the builder. They, so yeah, we moved. We moved back to Mill City. So yeah, I would have been in the seventh grade. So I missed. Um, I missed Leo Poole being my teacher. Um, well, I made up for it because I had him fourth grade and fifth grade. Yeah. Well, half of fourth grade because we moved back to, we moved back to Gates halfway right. through my fourth grade year. So you know, but I mean, um, yeah, we lived there in Mill City. And Where was that house at? Um, that was up um off of Kingwood. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think I you ever knew where right that house You go right up past was. the... Oh, I'm sure you did. Um, well, I don't remember. Well, I'm sorry. Um, Gary don't Moberg, yell at me. Gary Moberg, what, Gary Moberg bought it from us, and then uh, Gary Plotz lived there. Um, yeah, it's up... Uh, go up to Kingwood, take a right. Uh, Hilltop, Gerard's. Right. Yeah, you go up there, and then you take a right on Kingwood, and a left on whatever street that is, and then you go oh, down... Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah I'm remembering now. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Kingwood going mm-hmm. towards Gates. Well, it went both ways. Kingwood went know, to Lions. I know. I I just remembered that it went the other way. I so forgot. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to Mill City for a while. that big white house wasn't at the where that road tees, yeah. you'd go straight into our backyard. Oh, okay. So, yeah. And, I mean, and that was, you know, I mean, we were the last house back there. So, it was good. I mean, we had, had a lot of, I mean, I had all that open field and stuff and knew the ranch farmers. So, I mean, we had motorcycles. We'd just take off and go across the fields and up in the hills and spend spend all day. As you moved into high school, what what was kind of, what was going on with you? What, um, you know, obviously you were active in sports and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, had it gotten, I mean, were you just kind of, you just kind of put it behind, like just kind of have to put it aside and just keep going. Which with, part? With Craig? I, yeah. Well, no, the grief was always in the house. I mean, it was always there. I mean, it was just like, you know, just like anything else. Um, 
you know, I, you know, you don't know things then, but I mean, you know, my mom was up, I mean, she was taking prescriptions for migraines, for depression, for anxiety, you know, I mean, she was, I mean, back then, you know, you, if you went to the doctor or something, they just give you a pill. Right. Was the, Is that, did she start drinking after that? Is that No, one? no, she never drank. No? Yeah, this is, yeah, no, she never drank. I mean, every now and then, she may, no, no. My dad, on the other hand, he was he liked his booze, but he was a he was kind of a weekend, or he could go months without any, and then he'd go on on bender. Um, Sounds like someone I know. Yeah, um, and I'm talking about myself. Just to be clear, that's I can go months <laughs> without drinking, and then yeah, I mean he, you know, I mean I can remember. Well, yeah, no, he's having to work at the mill. He'll be home in a couple of days. Or, yeah, and then when I got older, it was hey, could you go after your dad? He's been gone long enough. <laughs> um, that actually only happened twice. No, so it was it was always there, but I mean the the sadness, the depression. Mom would have really good days, but I would go, and I think I was in the. I want to say when we moved back from Detroit, Mom had decided that she wanted to go to beauty school. She wanted, she needed to do something, so she enrolled in a beauty school in Mill City or in Salem, and she drove back and forth every day and went to went to beauty school, and then we bought. Um, Mom and Dad bought a building down you know, Main Street, Mill City, and remodeled it. And and then she also bought the other one across the street. And so we had both of them and then closed one of them or sold one of them down. I mean, it became some other office. Um, but she, you know, had two, three gals working for her all the time. And um, But that's where she was the happiest. Yeah. My relationship with my mom was PJ. I mean, I... I mean, that's kind of what I, I called her, always called her mom, always had nothing but respect, you know. But, I mean, it was PJ. And um, that was the name of the beauty shop, PJ's. So um, that's when she was the happiest. She would put, my mom could put on a face. You would never know she had anything wrong with her. She could um, light up a room, and she'd just be jolly and happy and then go back into her office and just be a puddle. She would do pretty much anything for anybody. Anybody could call her and say, hey, you know, there's been a so-and-so, I need my hair done, and she could, she'd never say no. And I literally seen her so sick at home and how she picked herself up and went down and did what she did. You know? And I used to think, you know, by God, that's a good way to do it. You know, you, it's a good trait to have. And right now I tell you, it sucks. You know, yeah. It would have been a lot better if she had just said, screw this, I can't do it anymore, I need help. You know, she'd probably still be here. Yeah. Um, so, no, she was a prescription well, drug I mean, addict. Yeah, she was a prescription drug addict. And then the only thing probably it did for me was, Dustin, was when I was partying and, and stuff later on in high school, it would keep me from going too far because I always knew that I had, because she wouldn't go to bed. She never went to bed until I was home. Yeah. And she was, she just wouldn't go to bed. She would sit there in her chair on her prescription. You know, she might be probably as messed up as, as I was, you know, not real, you know, just numb to things. Right. And, you know, and I could, I mean, I had to walk through the house. There was no way to get to my bedroom without crossing her. So we would sit, you know, usually you had to sit down and visit. And um, so, you know, and it, that I've always kind of said, you know, is the respect for her that probably kept me in check for quite a while there in high school until... Because you know you had to... Well, yeah, I knew I had to go past her. And yeah. I mean, and I knew how sad she was. You know, I knew... Um, and then, I mean, she would. I mean, along with that sadness, staying up all night also, you know, I mean, because she would stay up for hours after, I mean, even after I'd go to bed, she'd smoke and read. and I mean, we didn't... TV would go off at midnight or at one o'clock, you know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she had her condolences books that she read and, and other things that she read and trying to find answers, you know, to why, you know, and not only Craig, you know, I mean, Craig was the last one, you know, but I mean, why? And that stuff was just eating her up. Oh, the inside. yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, and she would fill herself up with, you know, the happiest I did, like I said, I saw her was, you know, when she was going to school with the achievement, keeping mm -hmm. busy and then. And then, um, and then at the beauty shop. So yeah, if I ever wanted anything, <laughs> or 
anything like that, I would make sure I'd go to the shop and yeah. So that was, and then, you know, then, you know, skipping forward a little bit, you know, uh, my dad was always at the mill. Right. Was it, was it kind of a married, but not together sort of thing in terms yeah. of like grandpa kind of just right. was off doing his yeah. grandpa was that grandpa worked a lot because you know, that's the only way that anything gets paid for is grandpa has to be at work. And that's, you know, he, that's, well, I mean, that was, yeah, I mean, it was just their life. And I mean, yeah, they, but I mean, when you have, when you have that much grief, I mean, he lost a son too, Yeah. you know, and I mean, and he lost his dad, he had lost his mom, he had lost, you know, he had, he also had losses um, away from his family just as much. And, um, you know, it was funny because I can remember them saying, well, we're staying together because, of, you know, you, because I mean, yeah, they went through a pretty rough patch. And I mean, I can even remember my dad moving out. Right. And then I can remember another time where I think my dad was going to move out, and and um, yeah, it was pretty big. I mean, because kids, you know, when I was growing up, that was, you know, but I mean, they, um, and I can remember, you know, that, that didn't ever happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course after I moved out, you know, they were, yes, maybe I was a problem. No. Um. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, there's every relationship goes through that, you know. Um, but I just think the amount of grief and the amount of sadness and sickness. I mean, my dad's never been sick. I mean, he's still, he's relatively healthy for yeah. 87. I mean, he's, he's getting tired. But, I mean, he's had one surgery. Well, except for, I mean, now he's had surgeries with his heart stuff. But he's the one that put up the bootstraps and do what you do. But I didn't get to know him then until I went to work for him. Right. Then when I went to work for him, I saw how what his world consisted of. And it and it wasn't all just about not going home. Yeah. You know, it was it was you know, I mean we, we visited. I mean we rode together, we, we spent a lot of time together and and I heard his side. Not that there was sides. Right, but, but I mean it, it I mean, was he has it's perspective, you right. know, it's Right. It's I mean, how same. hard was it for him to come home every night to to mom? You know, when they he knew that there was not a damn thing in the world he could say that was going to make her feel any better. And he could tell her over and over, don't worry about dinner. I'll just make something. And by God, no, she still did everything that she had to do. And, and um, yeah, so I'm really thankful that I had... You know, I'm going to be honest. You know, I'm really grateful for my childhood that I had. It was a good childhood. They taught me very well to be where I'm at today. When did, when did you start going up to the mill to actually work work? Um, after graduation. Yeah. But yeah. you would, would you go up there like sometimes during the summer and help out and do oh, stuff? Oh, yeah. On or? weekends, I'd go up. As soon as I started to drive, I would, um, um, I would go up with Dad. And, of course, that was, that was when I was learning to drive legally when I had a permit. Um know i would go because i'd get you know he'd let me drive right and then of course there was always you know, a trade-off too there would be a bark pile or there'd be something that needed to get done or i'd you know but i enjoyed running the equipment i enjoyed you know i enjoyed the mill i enjoyed the sawmill and i enjoyed being with my dad because like i said we started to develop kind of some sort of relationship you know because i re- i had memories of when i was young i mean they didn't miss a game of craig's they didn't miss anything that craig was involved in or right or anything and um it just seemed like they were busy with some of my stuff you know i mean like my i can always i can remember my mom and i'm not saying anything against my dad but i can remember my mom being at my high school games you know and and maybe you know i doubt if my dad made it to too many daytime games or early afternoon games of my brothers you know um and I can remember my dad getting down there late, you know, like six o'clock. So the mill shut down at four thirty, five o'clock. He would get right down there. But I can always remi- remember my mom being, she'd always park on the first baseline and yell. <laughs> We've talked. I mean, things have kind of gotten a little more serious and stuff here in the in the last little bit. But what from like high school? What's your what's a, a memory that stands out as like one of your most favorite things that happened when you were in high school? Something that you can look back on, and I was like, like that was a really great time. 
Well, there's more than one. Well, I know, but I mean, if you have a couple, that's fine. I'm not not saying you're limited to tell me one, but I mean. Just one? Um, It was, you know, it was the sporting accomplishments. It was um, um, the state football championships. I can remember as a freshman, I mean, I weighed, I mean, 135, 140 pounds. I was 5'6", 5'7". So you're as Um, tall as you are right now? Yeah, right. I can remember as a freshman getting my brains just clobbered and challenging to be on that team as a freshman to make varsity. They had varsity council. They had, you know, I mean, you, you earned your spot and, and it was, you know, it was fun. Um, it was hard work. I mean, I can remember, you know, um, I can remember the seniors, you know, picking you up by the back of your shoulder pads, you know, and slapping you saying, good job, you know, or, you know, and you couldn't see straight, you know, let's do it again. And and you would. And so to be a part of that and then to be, you know, to you know play on a state championship team for a couple of years. Um, and then, of course, baseball. Yeah. You know, looking back, you know, just the relationships that you have. You know, do you, do you guys want state in football? We won state in football two years. Because mm-hmm. I know you guys won in basketball, right? Yeah. Because that's the only, that's that big um, wooden thing, that well, yeah, bracket they have, thing that was they up there. They have that. But. They've got the big bracket from the state tournaments. But no, no, we won football. You know what? You know what hurts the most for me? What? And I, I don't think this, well, you and Heather are state championships, state champions at San Diego, and I'm not. Don't want to tell you. I don't have a state championship. Well, and they didn't win it the year you were gone, so. No. Yeah. That's that's hurtful. It is. Well. You're a state is. champion. Heather's a state champion. Yeah. No, we had, you know, I mean, there was there was lots of, there's lots of good times in Mill City. I mean, I got, you know, some of my fondest memories, to be honest, is with um, Tice Pedersen. The, the, the Pedersen family moved to Mill City, and so there was Tice and Clary and Ross and... Of course, Clary and I were together during high school, but it was the group that was all created in that group. It was, um, you know, Tice was very musical and very, you know, youth group and church. And, you know, and we started a pretty good youth group movement and from all different churches, you know. So because I went to the church with, um, when I was younger, I started going because my parents didn't go and I wanted to go. So I went with the Plotzes. So the Plotzes were like my second family and, I was, you know, and they were ours. I mean, David and I were pretty much, gr- growing up, we were inseparable. I mean, we were, until girls got involved. Right. You know, and then things kind of changed. But I can, still, there... I can even still remember David coming to my house and trying to talk me into going to his college so we could um, teach and coach together. Yeah. yeah. It That's... seems kind of funny now that I'm coaching at Catholic He's the principal of San Diego. So hey, you never know. You never know. So you brought up girls. So I, I, this leads me to an interesting question. Uh huh. Were you a chick magnet in school, Dad? No. You didn't. You didn't no. have the chicks falling all over you. Yeah. It's your, I you you get all kind of bashful when I bring this up. <laughs> You're a handsome guy. Well, thank you. No, yeah, I mean, I you know, yeah, no, I although had, I have I had, seen I, I have some of... I've seen some of your pictures from high school. You kind of look like a nerd. Yeah. You had. Yeah. You had your fro, fro going. You had your big fro going. You had some nice big horn rims mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. I didn't pick out the horn rims. No. Those were parent issues. Yeah. But hey, you look at everybody else at the same time. This is true. No, no, I always, I mean, I had girlfriends. Um, are, you, are you being modest or are you telling me the truth? What? I had girlfriends? Did, were you, did, did the chicks like you? Yeah. yeah. Well, I like them too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just. Um. Because yeah. I just I just know you as with mom and then Janelle. That's all right, I know. So right. I don't, you know. Well, no, I, didn't... I had I had you know I had a few girlfriends yeah. in school. And it's it's and it's but weird I mean, it was, and it's it was, weird it was to grow kind of a relationship thing too though. I mean, yeah, I can let's see. Well, I can remember the first girl I kissed. Ooh, Ooh yeah. Is it a name I would know? No, no. I don't even know. I can't even remember. I can't even say the last name. First name is Pam. I think. Um, you know, and that's, and, and then it's funny, you know, like triggered memories. Here we go again. I mean, just that brings up another when between my freshman and fresh, uh, between my eighth grade and freshman year, I, my best friend was killed in, by a 
uh, in a vehicle. Well, he was he was on a horse. Yeah. And he got hit out there on Highway 22 in Gates. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think of Jimmy quite often. I mean, here and there. But I mean that. Yeah. I mean, I not and not here tonight. But yeah. Wow. That was Jeannie's twin brother, Jeannie Davidson. Oh, really? Yeah. Jeannie had a twin brother, Jimmy. And uh, him and I were best friends. I mean, Jimmy wasn't a real ball player. Jimmy was more of a, you know, ride horses. And um, him and Jeannie were super, super close. And then behind Jeannie lived Paula Evans. And then there was Laura Blackburn. And, I mean, Jimmy was always with the girls and the horses. And the, you know, there seemed to be more girls than boys lived in Gates. Yeah. You know? And, but, uh, yeah, Jimmy and I, we were pretty inseparable. And I can remember being at baseball practice. And, man, the sirens, you know, they had the old noon 12 o'clock siren, you know, every day. Yep. And, man, I can, it was later in the afternoon, and the siren just kept going and going and going and going. And that was back in the day that everybody had run down to the, you know, find out what was going on. Yeah. And that was before Gates had a real big fire department or active one and doesn't take very long to find out what happened. So yeah, Jimmy was killed. Pretty pissed still about that whole thing. It's, you know, the, the choices that are made for you because I was asked to be a pallbearer and I wasn't allowed to be. Yeah. I didn't get to go to the funeral. You didn't go to the, you didn't, didn't get to go to the funeral? Didn't get to go to the funeral. Never got to go, you know, visit nothing. It was... In my house, it happened, but we didn't talk about it. It was kind of, they felt bad for me. Um, my parents, my mom and dad's reasoning was, was because it was too close from Craig's experience. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, and I've talked to dad about that. So now you know why Libby is so special. Yeah. I mean, besides. No, I know. Yeah, but and I mean, that that's, makes, that's I didn't the, know that. Yeah, I mean, that's, um. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember being asked to be a pallbearer, and then, and then not only that, but deal with it at school. Like, well, why were you there? Why didn't you? Well, I mean, you, I know that you know you were asked to, and and you couldn't answer, and it made no sense, and still doesn't. I'm still pissed. I, mean, I think anybody that does not make sense. I mean, yeah, because I mean, everyone has I mean, a, a, everyone has a, a best friend. Everyone has a best friend. Yeah. Now imagine your best friend. Gets killed. Yeah. Who's not going to that funeral? Right. Right. And to have that be told to you that you're, I mean, that's. Yeah. Not allowed to go. I mean, basically, I mean, it was just, yeah, it didn't go. And it had to do with my mom and dad's grief. It had to do with my mom. And I don't know who made the choice and it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I mean, it was, I just didn't go and it would have been too hard. Well, let me decide. Yeah. You know, they just, they were, they were trying to, they were making a decision for you but based on their feelings. Right. Thinking it to, would be too hard for me where in reality, you know, I still have these emotions. I still have this. And I mean, and I have, I mean, for a long time, I've thought about it, that that really sucked. You know, people talk about closure. People talk about, you know, saying goodbye. People talk, you know, whatever. And it's, um, and you, do you think some of it would have been grandma knowing the person that grandma was and not being able to say no to people and not, and that sort of personality that she had for her to try to walk into a church like that, where kind of the expectation would be, you know, kind of trying to put your arm around someone else that she just knew that she didn't have that in her. I don't know. I mean, I could have went with somebody else. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but I mean, I didn't go up to the house. I mean, I can remember the teacher. I can remember where the family, because you know, their house was small. So, I mean, going out to um, the teachers, I mean, or, or being out there. I mean, it, it, yeah, it just, it so, no, I, I mean, I think they just tried to protect me. I think they just didn't want me to have that experience. Then later in life to have a family like Libby's, you know, mom and dad. I mean, I love them with all my heart and I have all the respect for for Libby's mom and dad. I mean, because of the fact that they knew, you know, they knew and they allowed Libby to come to the house every day. Yeah. They knew. They allowed her to come to the house. They allowed her to be there. They allowed, there was no, if, if Natalie wanted her there at midnight, you know, it could happen. And that's, that's amazing. And, um, and then, you know, talking to Libby afterwards, you know, like, well, you know, I would talk to your mom and dad to talk to me. I mean, just how awesome, yeah. how awesome it, that, that truly, I believe that it's a lesson in life. I mean, and it's, it's like, 
you know, I know I don't think this is where we were all going to go, but I mean, this is, this is what happens is, you know, I talk about my mom, you know, with, with, uh, losing her dad and her and her dad were really, really close. She was the oldest child of three kids and two brothers that, um, my mom lost her dad and then she lost, you know, other friends and family and, and, and things. And, um, my mom and dad's life wasn't easy. I mean, things were really good and then things got really bad. And, you know, the move from everything they knew to something new, um, it's a great story, you know, and it's a success story because they became successful, you know, they did very well. I look at, you know, my life as a preparation for things that have kind of happened. And, you know, I can look at, you know, my brother Craig being killed and, okay, well, what did I learn and what can I... And, you know, I've never been very bashful about saying things, but, I mean, it's just like when Janelle and I were having a pretty rough patch in Arizona after Natalie died. I mean, we, it wasn't a rough patch. It was just Janelle was, you know, really, really depressed, really sad, really, you know, and, I mean, we had tried, you know, different things, and she had tried to step out of that, but, I mean, it was just, it was just really hit. And, I mean, and it hit with me, too. It just, I was... I don't know, in a different space. I'd made some connections down there, you know, that she didn't. And and I can remember telling her that I've watched this and I'm not going to live this way. I've watched this and I don't want to do this. And that's exactly what it was. It like was, you know I, you know how this story plays out. I know how out. this story plays out because I watched my mom and dad live it. I had already experienced that, hey, I've had a really good day, you know, and come home and, and have that energy, and and then that's when the shift. I mean, there was there was a shift in our house. Yeah. And and then we talked about it. You know, we talked about this is my experience, and then for her. But, I mean, you got to also remember that her loss and her life is historical. I mean, she, yeah. I mean, it had a lot of losses. So here's two people that have had a lot of losses that are together. You know, it's pretty, we're in each other's you know, life for reasons. And she's, you know, I seriously say that I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. Yeah. And she's a pretty remarkable, remarkable woman. But And not not here post-Natalie, here oh, back yeah. from way back. Oh, yeah. From yeah, well before yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, way, you know, way before that. I mean, when we first met, I mean, it was, you know, she's, she's incredible and, and I mean, there's, there's truly a reason if, you know, we, you know, we knew, uh, you know, as soon as Natalie was diagnosed that we were going to create a journey, you know, we had, um, a couple come to the house and pray and set the, you know, set the space. And that's what he said. This is a, this is going to be a sacred journey. And that's, you know, that's what we tried to create. You know, and I think I think we did create that. I think Natalie orchestrated a uh, give everybody a chance to love and to laugh and cry. Um, and then that's you know, of course, my passion in life now, and as well as Janelle's, is to help other people. And but you know, it, but you look at the book that was written before us. I mean, with with me. I mean, with you know, with with Craig, with Jimmy. You know, with you know, these other losses that. Um, I learned something from all of them, and that's that's what that's what life is, and that's you know, and to, you know, now I'm no longer afraid of dying. You know, I'm uh, you know, I'm I'm not afraid to live. Right. You know, and that's I wish more people would would get that instead of the fear, you know, to love and to fall back and to look at what's really important and and some of the things we've talked about here. Yeah, I mean, they're you know, they're it's that's where we're at. You know, and and um, I don't want to have fear. You know, I don't. I very seldom watch any any news unless there's some some story or something that I want to see or I want to hear. And it's not that I want to stay numb to what's going on. I don't. I mean, I'm pretty aware of what's going on. I just have different sources. Right. When you're in high school, what is it? Do you have an idea like what you're gonna do? Like, do you, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like that sort of. Did you have well, something I that to play you were shooting for? Baseball. Yeah. yeah. 
And, you know, back then, you know, it wasn't about the money. It was about playing the game, you know. It was, you know, yeah. And I wanted to be, I wanted to go in to be, to be a policeman. I wanted to be a like a crime lab, you know, not a CSI like what they have, but basically that's what it is. And then when I found out that you had to, you know, work up probably up to five years on the highway as a state police, I, I didn't really want to be a, I didn't want to be a highway cop. Um, and looking back on it, you know, I wish I would have. But yeah, the school that I was going to go to was, I mean, it was one of the, it was a good school. Yeah. And things were on track for, I mean, that's what I wanted to, it's what I wanted to do until I found out I couldn't play baseball anymore. Right. Yep. I want to ask you a question about baseball. You told me a story once when you guys, you guys played Corvallis High School in baseball, right? And you pitched, uh, did you actually, did you ever really pitch the Harold Reynolds? No. No, Harold Reynolds is a lot younger than me. You told me that you did. No. Yes, you no. did. No. No. You told me that you pitched to someone. Yeah, but do the math. How old's Harold Reynolds? I don't know. He's not that much younger than you. Google it. I don't have my phone with me. Okay, but you told me a story that you tried to intentionally walk a kid. Right. And that part's he, true. And okay. that was in Corvallis. I was intentionally walking this guy. And we got a little bit lazy, I think, with the pitch out, and he corked one over the wall. Yeah, well, you but told it was me, not Harold Reynolds. You told me that it was some famous person. No. you That's what you told me. No, it's your memory. All right. I also told you I could dunk, too. This is true. You, you also used to tell me you were six feet tall. Right. No, you told me you were 5'11". Right. So I always used to think I was six one, and then someone <laughs> measured me, and I was 5'11". I was like, wait a second. If I'm 5'11", that doesn't make any sense. Anyway. Nope. Nope, not Harold Reynolds. Okay, no, you but Google the story Harold Reynolds' age—he's quite a bit younger. Okay, but the story is true. You tried to—you tried to intentionally walk a guy, and you hung one over, and he smashed it. Right. But I thought you—you you told me the, the way I remember you telling me the story is that you were playing against Corvallis in Mill City, and that he hit it over the football the, the football bleachers. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that part was all true. In fact, they gave me a bad time about that, and then they brought me the ball, and I said, "I don't want to take it over the guy that hit it over the fence." <laughs> You know how little kids always run out and they get, oh, here, here, Brian. I don't, I don't want it. Yeah, I can remember having a good game going on and they made me take off. I had a batter's glove and I happened to wear it and it was white and I had it yeah. underneath my mitt. And they, oh, no, got to take that off. Boy, you talk about a psychological. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even realize it, but man, they brought it to my attention afterwards. But yeah, we had, you know, I mean, it's the same thing too, you know, I mean, like during football, I mean, we had. Um, you know, I can remember reading the papers, you know, it was plots, plots to plots, you know, plots, you know, and then plots to plots, plots kick, you know, but also plots snap the ball. I mean, cause right. Daryl was the center, you know, so, um, well then the next year we played, um, a school, it was a new school out of Eugene and we played them in Corvallis and we got beat and it wasn't pretty. Yeah. And the article in the paper pretty much said it wasn't pretty, but Sandy Ann was physically beaten. And I can remember Tennessee Bob was a football coach. He was a little line coach and kind of defensive coach. We had Doug Suckling. And, and uh, um, Doug had played at Oregon State on the Rose Bowl team. And then we had Tennessee Bob. He was, oh, man. And then uh, Gibson. And I can remember everybody had to do their time on the sled at the end of practice or during practice, and he read that article how Sandy Am was physically beaten. Yeah. It wasn't pretty. That was, I think, the only game we lost that year. Yeah. It was a new school? like a Yeah, it was just a, you know, I mean, it was a new school. So, you know, I mean, things are always scheduled, you know, a year out or two yeah. years out, and I'm sure this one was scheduled a year out, you know, and I mean, it was they were a new school coming in, and yeah, we got to play them, but I mean, they were they were big. I mean, that was the first time, you know, a lot of kids from Mill City saw anybody black. Right. You know, and a lot bigger, and, you know, I mean, we couldn't wear our normal football shoes at, on the AstroTurf. And Did you guys play at Autzen? Played at Oregon State. Oh, you played them in Corvallis. I got yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I missed that part. So yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of fun, but you know, and I and then I can remember, you know, you know, as kids graduate, you know, the size of line goes. I mean, our kids got smaller, and um, so I guess I was kind of in on the tail end of. I mean, we had some. Sandy Am was a powerhouse. Sandy Am was what you remember probably here in his Regis, you know. Yeah. Um, 
Unless they recruited kids. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I, mean, I mean, it was, it was, we were, but I mean, we had big kids. We had kids that, um, good ball players. I mean, but I mean, yeah, it was just football. It was basketball. Plus at that time, I mean, I was on the only baseball team that made it to state up until, I don't know. I think, I guess they did here a few years ago or something. That was pretty cool. And then, um, but yeah, basketball, we were a powerhouse. What happened to baseball? For you, you just was a baseball was was. I mean, I I love baseball, and I pitched and played in the outfield. And um, in Oregon, you make up games, you because of rain, because of whatever. And um, I threw my arm out, and had a really really awesome guy. My name Bob Valdez moved to Mill City. Oh, I think I must have been a freshman, sophomore. And he was just an incredible family. And um, he probably helped me more than anything as far as like physical therapy and stuff, worked on my arm and stuff. Plus, I worked up at the pool doing different things. And he was concerned, you know, like you're throwing too much, you know, you know, you should only do this, you should only do that. And, and I mean, he had moved up from L.A. with his family. And... Um, It was the summer between my junior and senior year, and I just just threw too much. It was that was all there was to it. And was did you feel was it like did you throw like one particular pitch and you felt it go away, or you just it felt fatigued? It it, it felt fatigued, but it also I mean I threw a I threw a slider, and I guess now they kind of would call it a split finger. Yeah, and it just in the elbow, and it just got to, it got hard to like afterwards to straighten out the arm. There was pain in there, and there was pain in the shoulder. And you know you ice it and you do the things you know you need to do, but you just keep you keep going. And then and yeah, I mean we had a coach that would say, hey, can you know can you be you know for two innings? And, and I mean I wanted to, I wanted to be, I wanted to have the ball, I wanted to play. And you know it was just too much. So we went down the road of, <clears throat> well we got to find out what's the matter with it. So we'd go to a doctor and the doctor would say, well there's this, there's you know got to rest it. Because keep in mind, just remember if you're you know, my age or, or younger listening to this, like they didn't have MRI machines. Like they didn't have that kind of stuff. Like you, right, you had right. an x-ray, yeah. but they couldn't really tell you if you had the ligament problem or something like that. It's not, they couldn't go in and scope you and, and do that. Those, right. you know. So, yeah, I mean, so we went, I ended up going down to Eugene to Slocum's clinic, which at that time was one of, I think one of the premier top sports medicine places. And they did everything but hang me from my toes, you know, to, to get a, a good picture of it. And that's where they found the bone spur. And, of course, they found the bone spur. And the bone spur was in the elbow. And the bone spur is what was doing the damage to the tendon and the, to the muscles. And they could do, you know, by, like Dustin said, you know, they knew with when I explained the numbness in my fingers and the tingling in my, that, that that's what it was, and that the bone spur cut it. So it pretty much, so that pretty much took care of it. So... If 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 it was, you know, even fifteen years later, mm-hmm. that's probably something they go in, take the bone spur out. Oh yeah, do the surgery and, and well, they could have done it then. I mean, that's like they said, you know, if you were signing a, um, if you were signing a pro contract, because um, I was going to play in college. And that's when, and I mean, in the conversation that I've had later on in life is why, and I think it's one I could probably still have, is why was that decision made? And I think it was all based on Craig again, and this is going to be my story, is that my parents made a decision based on doctor's language that he said this is a one-time deal and he's only 17. So there again, it's, we have a solution, but here's fear. And I mean, and he did, I'm not mad at the doctor. I mean, like I said, but we had went to one doctor. I mean, I'd wore my elbow, I'd wore a a half cast for 10 days for the swelling to go down. And we'd went in and I did these exercises and then I wore it again. 
And I mean, had a special, even had a special thing made for my arm for football. Um, did everything that they said to do except to have the surgery. And like I said, the, what the doctor said was it's a one, it's a one-time deal and you're still growing, you know. So that probably is when a lot of things yeah, in my head changed. Because um, like in, in your mind, I mean, obviously every you have the dream of that you're going to maybe be able to play Major League Baseball. Oh, but yeah. You, you also saw that as... Well, now what am I supposed to do to go to college? Like I can't pitch, so. Well, I didn't want. To, I didn't want to go to school. Do you? Do you think? I mean, I did. I got. I got really angry. I got angry with you know a lot of things. You know, now I see it. Yeah. Then I just saw it as screw it. Did you have? It. Did you have good enough stuff? Like, did I you? I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. well, I mean, one of my best friends, or not one of my best friends, but one. I mean, Greg Brock, who went on to play, you know, with the Dodgers. I mean, um. We, I think there was, I think there was a handful of us from Mill City that were that were good enough. Yeah, you know, um, and a lot of it is it's guiding, it's getting into the right, you know, the right place. And I mean, yeah, we were starting to meet some of the right people. I, um, but I did, I just lost, you know, where I was going to go to school. They didn't have, you know, full ride scholarships. They didn't have, you know, was I the best student? No. Um, so was I going to get the scholastic? Right. No. But, I mean, I was going to go to Mount Hood. They had one of the premier best. It was either that or OCE. And, but, I mean, they were the baseball. That's where you went to play baseball. And um, the facilities. And, I mean, we, had, we worked out some things in it. And I just, then I just didn't go. I, you know, I, yeah, it was not a happy time. No. So, so then you kind of just checked out. You didn't really... So what what did you think you were gonna do then? Or did, did you didn't care? Didn't really know. I mean, I you know in the back of my mind, I still wanted to go to school. I still wanted to be you know go into the the, the, the police field of some sort. Um, and then and then yeah, money kind of kind of come into it. You know, you st- you started working. Well, I'll put off school for a year. Because because you you graduated and then you went and started working for Grandpa right right yeah yeah so and I mean you know there there was that whole relationship and then you know and it meant a lot to him to have me there because my other two brothers I mean they could care less about sawmills and I mean they were off doing their own thing anyway so I mean in the service and then well Nick was out of the service but but you know so and I enjoyed you know I enjoyed. Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed working with my dad. Got to know, like I said, I got to know him. I mean, he was different than what you know than what I thought. And and you know, looking back on it now, you know, I realize how much help I was to him. And and then you know, people I'd been friends with all my life. I mean, I started you know the career into the saw filing, got into you know into it with Roy, and um, yeah, had a pretty good career. All right, joggers, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Just Another White Guys podcast. We'll have more with my dad coming up next time. You're listening to Just Another White Guys podcast. I'm Dustin Jones. Thank you for listening. And remember, always protect the five hole. It's just me against the world.